Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, it is time to head back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe for another Marvel film. We are talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's officially Phase 4 time. You guys know I'm not really the biggest Marvel person, uh, but I enjoy the movies, and I really enjoyed this one, so I'm excited to talk about it. Joining me is Brian Scuttle from Sonic Cinema, and it's his first time on the show. We had a great time talking about this movie and uh, what Marvel is doing uh, moving forward since that big, gigantic, insane 23-film series that they previously did. We had the little palate cleanser so to speak of black widow but now it's time to start moving the story forward and uh move it forward they do with this movie so we're going to get to that conversation here in a second but i do want to remind you as always to make sure you're subscribed to piecing it together wherever you listen to podcasts you can rate and review us on apple podcasts or Podchaser or good pods and we'd really appreciate your ratings and reviews uh, we've had a few really nice reviews lately over there on the Apple Podcasts and the Podchaser, and I don't think anyone's reviewed us on Good Pods yet, but you should. Uh, but, you know, we really enjoy it when you uh, give us feedback about what what's going on here on the show, what you like about it, what you don't like about it. Specifically, what you like about it is some of the best feedback. We really like that. But I want to hear everything you've got to say about what we're doing here on Piecing It Together. So uh, definitely leave those reviews. And, uh, of course, share the show with your friends. Check out our Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon. Lots of great content over there. And don't forget to follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. So it's time to get into this conversation about Shang-Chi. But before we get into it, I do want to say... We had some technical difficulties on this episode. You know, we just passed 200 episodes. Hasn't happened in a long time, but you know what? It's a podcast. Sometimes these things happen. Luckily, I had a backup recording as well as a backup of the backup, and I had to, uh, excuse the pun, but I had to piece this thing together from various recording sources, so you're going to hear a couple of little switch-ups in audio quality, and then for the bulk of the conversation, the recording is uh, based off of a Zoom recording, which uh, those of you who know me know I don't really like Zoom, but uh, that's another story for another time. Anyway, there's varying different versions of the recording I had to piece together to get this episode out to you, so just know... If you're making a podcast, it happens sometimes, but the conversation's still there, so let's get to that conversation now. All right, so we're going to talk about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and joining me to talk about it is Brian Scuttle. Brian, how is it going? It's uh, going pretty well. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this should be a fun conversation. This movie... <laughs> This movie is all over the place. It, there's yeah. so much going on in it, um, but it's a lot of fun, though. Yeah. But we'll get into that in a second. Before we do, it's your first time on the show. Uh, why don't you tell my listeners a little about you and your podcast and everything you're up to? So I'm a film critic. My uh, website is www.sonic-cinema.com. I have been writing, not exclusively on a Sonic Cinema for the entire time, but I have been writing about film for the past uh, 25 years. Mm -hmm. Sonic Cinema has been online since 2004. I do have a my own podcast, the Sonic Cinema 
podcast. You can find that on Google, Apple, Spotify, as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. I mostly do written reviews, but I do also occasional video reviews. I do uh, try to do a uh, Twitch stream as well on uh, twitch.tv backslash scuttle lemur. So I've I've got a lot going on. Uh, Yeah. I've got a lot that I try to uh, have going on this this past year in particular with COVID. I've been I've been uh, off work for most of the time in terms Mm. of. being furloughed from my job, but I bas- it basically just gave me a chance to really dive into uh, Sonic Cinema and really devote a lot of great time to uh, honing my uh, craft as far as writing about films and talking about films as well. Sure, sure. Yeah, I always feel like whenever I'm guesting on other people's podcasts, they're always like, wow, you do a lot of stuff. And now I'm on the other side of that. Like, yeah. you do so many things. And also, I mean, we should talk about it for a quick second. You also came into this, you were a composer as well. You compose music just like I do. Yeah. Um. So I uh, I actually went to college to study music industry, in particular sound recording. Uh, I'd been mm-hmm. playing trombone for a number of years, and I had actually in my junior and senior year of high school, I had really gotten obsessed with uh, film soundtracks, and so uh-huh. I really wanted to score uh, movies. And so I studied at Georgia State University in their music industry program. I I had gotten to comp- and I started to compose at that point. I did mostly electronic stuff as well as a few mm. classical pieces. Um, I do have a number of albums available on uh, CD Baby on plenty of other uh, streaming music platforms, as well as that on uh, Bandcamp, too. Yeah. But Sonic Sim also has some of my pieces up as well. And I've done a couple of short films that friends of mine did. I tried mm-hmm. my hand at making short films on my own in the uh, late 2000s. But ultimately, film criticism was uh where where my passion for movies uh took me and it's been yeah. it's been really rewarding. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's start getting into Shang-Chi here. Uh before we start like getting into puzzle pieces and all that, uh are you a big Marvel guy? Were you super looking forward to this one? I I was actually. This was probably one of the most uh one of the ones I was most excited about in terms of the uh Phase four lineup. Mm. I'm not as big of a comic person, but mm-hmm. I have been a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, you know, it was it was it was funny, like having that year or two off of the MCU last year was really it it really got me even more excited for what we were gonna see in phase four. And uh sure. but Shang-Chi, just because of the fact that it's it's ultimately a very different type of superhero that we're used to. It's not, even though there are similarities, I think in the origin films in terms of the type of the different beats and themes that they touch on. I do think this is a very different type of um, story than what we have seen in Marvel and MCU origin stories. And I think that's, one of the things that really kind of excited me, as well as some of the cast in this, too. I mean, we have Tony yeah. Leung, who's a legend. We have yeah. uh, Michelle Yeoh, who's also a legend. Aquafina, who's been one of the brighter spots in uh, movies and smaller roles, as well as bigger roles, like The Farewell. And yeah, sure. it was just very... I was I was pretty excited for this. and. Uh, I got a chance to see it last week, and uh, it's funny, we're recording this on the day that the reviews dropped, Uh, Mm. the embargo was lifted, and so um, you can read my thoughts about it on Sonic Cinema, but overall, I just really enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. I I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm... You know, I'm similarly, I, I enjoy these Marvel movies, but, you know, comic books aren't my thing and comic book movies aren't necessarily my favorite thing, but I, you know, end up seeing all of them inevitably. And mm-hmm. yeah, th- this is a fun one. This one goes, I, one thing that I want out of 
if I'm going to go see a, a, a superhero movie, I want it to go big because that's what I want to see. I, I, I want to see all that money get spent up on the screen. Yeah. If they're going to give these people all this money, uh, let, let's spend some of it and make something that's like exciting visually and uh, just a lot of fun and a lot of action. And this movie delivers in that front. So uh, I'm excited to see how the general response is going to be once it comes out. We're obviously recording this ahead of time, luckily. But um, yeah, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces here for Shang-Chi. We'll get into some of the more finer points about the movie along the way. Uh, What do you have for your first puzzle piece? So my first one's a bit of an unconventional one, but it's one of the first ones that I did notice uh, as I was watching Shang-Chi, and that is uh, How Drainer Dragon 2. And the okay. reason I came up with that one is because of the fact that it's, it's that movie is a lot about what Hiccup has sort of inherited, the types of traits that he's gotten from both his mother and father. And I think mm-hmm. as, as the film goes on with Shang-Chi, you definitely get more of an impression that he is the product of both of his parents. I mean, not just, and not just in a biological sense, in a spiritual sense, as well as a character sense as well. And, um, you, you definitely see that in the flashbacks with his mother, as well as her sister played by Michelle Yeoh in this. And, um, you definitely see the pressures that have been put on him by Tony Leung's character as the movie uh, progresses forward, and really both of both of um both of the siblings in uh, this movie, and um, sure, it's it's one of those things where I really love that dynamic when it's explored, and I think it's a really important dynamic, and it's one of those things that I think gets people thinking of what ultimately makes up a person. And mm-hmm. what makes us up as an individual? And I know when I saw How to Train Your Dragon Two, I had, it that movie hit me really hard because of the fact that I just lost my father a few months before, and for those months, it really got me wondering and thinking about like what traits they picked up from him versus what traits I'd picked up from my mother, and right. I, I think that's that's it's really fascinating to see how different films can uh, explore that. And it's something that we really haven't seen before in the Marvel universe. Sure. Yeah. And and that is, it's such a universal thing that that's why you can see that within, you know, an animated kids movie to a big superhero thing to, you know, some kind of drama that maybe would explore those kinds of ideas. And it's just a thing that I think everybody kind of deals with, with, figuring out you know who they are and what uh what their parents have kind of brought to the table for them as a person and so yeah i mean that's a major thing and i actually surprisingly haven't seen the second how to train your dragon i saw the other ones um but uh one of these days i got to complete that and uh and get to that one yeah Yeah. the second one is my personal favorite of the three but and part of it is that personal connection with you know, seeing it after my dad died, but ultimately I, I, I love that entire trilogy. Awesome. Well, speaking of trilogies and speaking of, uh, issues with parents and things like that, uh, I'm going to go to star Wars for my first mm-hmm. puzzle piece, which is obviously <laughs> very, very obvious one here, but I mean, we've got the whole father son dynamic. Yeah. We've got, uh, instead of color, different colored lightsabers, we have different colored rings mm-hmm. and very beautifully shot action sequences between father and son with those. Yeah. Uh, and then also really, I mean, star Wars comes up so much when talking about Marvel movies, Marvel movies come up so much when talking about the recent star Wars movies, it's just this never ending cycle <laughs> of these two, series both of course owned by disney just continuing to inspire one another and push each other to just go bigger and more over the top and you know like i said at the at the beginning of the conversation i like when these things go bigger and over the top and hopefully don't hold back and so that's a you know that's a fun direction for these kind of movies to take now that that is a that it's funny because of the fact that for some reason i'm i'm a huge star wars fan the star wars trilogy Mm -hmm. has been my the original trilogy has been my life for my entire life. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I didn't actually think about that one, but yeah, when you think about that original trilogy and the, especially in the last two with the dynamics between Luke and Vader, yeah, you can absolutely 
see the influence that those movies had on this one and right. the idea of the the son trying to redeem the father and you know the the father sort of well we're not going to get into that but um i don't want i don't <laughs> well, want to spoil, spoil away. too much you can I, you can spoil <laughs> away it's fine so <laughs> i you know i just the idea that the father sort of sacrifices himself for mm-hmm. his for his son in the end. And it's, it's just one of those, it's one of those things where, I mean, it it is a very universal story. I mean, it's been as, it's as cribbed of a story in blockbuster films for as long as star Wars has been a, uh, has been in the lives of moviegoers. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it is an excellent, um, puzzle piece that you know it's funny like i said i for some reason i just never put that together but yeah it's a perfect example of that yeah and it, it was fun when they uh started getting their own colored rings to fight each yeah. other i mean that's you know it's perfect absolutely perfect um but all right let's uh let's move on what do you have for your next piece so my my second puzzle piece is another one that really came into focus it's pretty obvious if you've seen some of the trailers you've seen some of the uh different set pieces it's ang lee's crouching tiger hidden dragon and it's you you look at that scene where tony lung leung's character and his uh future wife are fighting and that is completely crouching tiger hidden dragon the beauty of the choreography the the scope of that fight scene the fact that it's both intimate as well as has an epic feel to it. And especially when you go back to the village later and you see Michelle Yeoh training uh, the siblings and you you get those same level of choreography. The wire work in this movie is just absolutely wonderful. And it's shot by... This, this film is shot by Bill Pope, who did mm-hmm. the Matrix movies, who did Spider-Man 2, and he also did Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And you can see this dynamic visual artist, that same visual artist in pretty much every scene of this movie. Uh, th- this is yeah. truly one, I think one of the most beautiful films that Marvel has actually done so far for, mm. for the most part. I, I think there are issues later I, I think the big climax gets too much into dark and CGI and stuff like sure. that. But for the most part, it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I would even say some of that ending still looks really cool, at least. Yeah. Uh, even if it does get a little bogged down by uh, <laughs> a lot of insane CGI in that final sequence, for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, uh, that that was on my list as well. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon definitely uh, makes sense as a puzzle piece here. I might as well get this one out of the way because it's another super obvious one. And I already brought up Star Wars, so I might as well get right into the Marvelness of a new Marvel movie. And uh, the Marvel movie that it reminds me the most of uh, would have to be Black Panther. Yeah. Um, Obviously, not specifically an origin story because Black Panther had already existed, you know, in the, in the uh, Captain America movie. But, you know, focusing on a character that's a person of color and uh, in that person's specific cultures and traditions and that particular culture having a hidden village like somewhere within mm-hmm. our world everything there is is hidden from the outside world but is like everyone there is at peace and more advanced and just you know they, they're completely ready to take on anything and they're yeah. they're protecting some hidden thing that is important for them and them only to be the protectors of it's all the same kind of thing as what wakanda was for black panther and uh so it, it's definitely a, a similar setup uh here in shang chi yeah, and I Black Panther is probably the Marvel movie that I would compare the most to this. And part of the reason I would yeah. say that is, in in addition to everything that you said, I think let's face it, um, the Marvel movies, especially the men in the Marvel movies, have a lot of daddy issues, and they find they themselves, <laughs> and they often find themselves cleaning up after their uh, father's messes. And sure. Black Panther, I think. One of the reasons that this and Black Panther stand out is because of the fact that 
the issues that Shang-Chi and uh, T'Challa are facing in those, mm-hmm. their respective movies are very different than what we see Thor having to deal with in terms of Odin and Tony Stark with his father. And I, they're mm-hmm. more, to a certain extent, they're more spiritual journeys as much as they are adventure journeys. And yeah. I think that is, I mean, you could say that about Iron Man as well and Tony Stark, but at the same time, I think the the father figures, and we'll we'll go ahead and get into this because Tony Tony Leung is probably one of the most interesting antagonists in the Marvel universe. I I think, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I I think he's up there with Thanos because of the fact that he's unlike Thanos, he's not a strict villain in the true sense. He's mm-hmm. that's why I use the word antagonist as opposed to villain, because I don't necessarily consider him a villain. I think he is somebody who is I, I think he's somebody who gave himself over to grief when his wife died. I think mm-hmm. that gave him sort of an excuse to go after what he really wanted in life, which was power. And mm-hmm. I think he uses his his children as a means to do that in hopes that by bringing them back together, he'll get them to come along with that. In which case it is now I'm saying that it is very much in star, the vein of star Wars. Cause that's sure. Kind of what yeah. Vader's trying to do with Luke, but uh, Tony and Tony Leung is so good in this movie. And oh, um, he's great. Yeah. you know, he, he just, I mean, he's he's a legend. I mean, he he's a living legend. I mean, all you have to do is just mention in the mood for love, and he's a legendary status after that. And then he's done. Yeah, he he's worked with John Woo. He's worked with Ang Lee and Lust Caution, and he's he's just got such a tremendous ability to show us the slow burn in a character. And I think. And to show us the quiet emotions in characters, and I think that's that's one of the things that distinguishes him and makes him so great. And I I think you really do get a chance to see this in uh, Shang Chi. Yeah, I absolutely do. And uh, yeah, it is it is funny how much the uh, the Star Wars thing just continues to pop up through this, but it, it's it's there. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what do you have for your next piece? So my next one is a little bit, again, sort of like How to Train Your Dragon. It's a bit of a more unconventional one. It's one that really only has, it really only has a connection to one set piece in this mm-hmm. movie. And it that's uh, Yandabon's speed. And that opening, okay. and that sequence that we've started to see more clips of where Aquafina is driving the bus while Shang-Chi is fighting off the, uh, assassins and as i mean even though keanu reeves doesn't do any real fighting on the bus and speed you you can see the blueprint of like sandra bullock's character in that movie in aquafina's role in that in that one scene and uh just her trying to weave get out of control you know try to not like wreck the bus and all of that stuff it's it's a very simple one, but it's it's a really effective one. And it really does work towards one of the things I love about this movie, which is, for the most part, this is a very clean visual palette in terms of the way it shoots action. And, mm. you know, in, in my review, I brought up there's a scene where there's a fighting scene that Shang-Chi is, he, he ends up fighting against his sister in in Mm -hmm. basically a cage match and i bring up uh the recent film snake eyes which has a similar scene different stakes but the scene in snake eyes is so incomprehensible in terms of the way it's shot in terms of the way it's edited it's done in a way that we've kind of become conscious of which is this idea that quick cutting and quick shooting and very close-ups in the movie in the way this scene is shot automatically means, Oh, this is a hard hitting bruising fight. And it's supposed that's supposed to give us the weight where it's like, 
I there's considerably more weight in the scene in Shang-Chi and that is much more cleanly cut and shot and put together just in general and there there's a just a fantastic uh, fight choreography in this movie in general. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And yeah, I, I think that fight scenes are something that not just Marvel, I think just in general uh, have been a little bit lacking lately. Yeah. You don't really see very good ones in a lot of movies lately. And that does tend to just be part of the times right now and the way these things are being shot. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's great to see such good action on screen. Uh, I guess that's a good lead into my next puzzle piece then, which is another really obvious one, but it has to be part of the conversation. And really just as a, an overall, he's almost a genre into himself. <laughs> uh, the, the films of Jackie Chan, yeah. uh, you know, there's so much Jackie Chan here in the fight choreography. I'm not sure which movie in particular, maybe legend of the drunken master, maybe a little rumble in the Bronx in there. Yeah. Uh, even wheels on meals, which I just watched last year for the first time, you know, just a lot of funny over the top stunts and martial arts work that is just incredible choreography and using the environments and using things that you wouldn't expect the character to use within, within his fighting. Of course, people love to bring up the, uh, the jacket scene, which yeah. there was a whole thing on Twitter <laughs> about people not realizing that it happened before <laughs> in the history of fighting. Right. Uh, but you know, Jackie Chan's the best. And I think everybody needs to at least watch a few of his movies at some point just to like, kind of get what's so awesome about him. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, to, to start off that, I would go ahead and say it's still on HBO max police story. The first police story is on HBO max. Sure. And I mean, yeah. the, the two police story movies are on the, in the uh, Criterion collection. So be sure to check those out. Yeah. I mean, Jackie Chan was one of the ones I came up with as well. And uh, it again, it, you're right. It's an obvious one. And I mean, I'm not I wish I could say I was as familiar with his Hong Kong work as I am mm -hmm. with his American work. But yeah, like sure. Rumble in the Bronx is definitely one that came to mind and one of the stunt coordinators on shang chi is uh brad allen and he worked mm -hmm. with jackie Chan in a lot of his movies but um he, sure. he passed away recently and uh this is one of his last films he did do stunt coordination for the kingsman which is coming out as well and uh oh, wow. he, okay he he just does a the fight choreography in this movie is so clean it's so precise and the way that everybody pulls it off is just really effective really well done yeah absolutely all right cool so uh what do you have for your next piece so my my fourth piece is another one that i think a lot of people will think is kind of obvious but at the same time i'm going to go slightly less obvious route with it and uh that is, and like Jackie Chan, he's kind of a genre unto himself. He's kind of a body of work unto himself. And that's John Woo, uh, the mm -hmm. great Hong Kong filmmaker. Uh, I mentioned that Tony Leung had worked with Woo before in Hard Boiled, which is one of the great action, contemporary action films of all time. But the movies I want to bring up specifically of Woo's that I think more feel of a piece with what we see in Shang-Chi are Red Cliff, which he made in 2009, also starring Tony Leung, and is mm. a massive battle epic that's just absolutely tremendous. There are two different versions of it. There's a two and a half hour version that American audiences got. There's also a two part, roughly five hour version that international audiences got both are completely well worth it. Although I will say if you watch the international version, you will not want to watch the United States version. Uh, it's just okay. such, it's such a fantastic spectacle and just really, it, it feels of a piece with a lot of Wu's work thematically, but it's working on a scale that we really hadn't seen from him before. And the other one and mm -hmm. the other movie that I wanted to bring up is a 1979 movie that Wu made called Last Hurrah for Chivalry. I saw it in the Criterion Collection last year. I'm not sure if it's still available there, but it's more of an old school martial arts sword fighting uh, epic. And that's something. But again, it feels it, it feels piece 
of a piece with John Woo's work in terms of the ideas of brotherhood, in terms of friendship, as well as delivering some really strong action sequences. If you get a chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. Um, But those two movies, even more than... I I love Hard-Boiled, I love The Killer, I love Better Tomorrow, but it feels like those two movies, like Red Cliff and Last Rob for Chivalry, feel more of a piece with what Destin Daniel Cretton and the other filmmakers on Shang-Chi are doing. And in terms of, not just in terms of setting, but just in terms of set pieces as well, uh, they're much Mm -hmm. more grand in scope than even something as amazing as the hospital finale in uh, hard boiled. And, um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I went that particular direction with John Woo. Yeah, and John Woo films, I mean, talk about over the top and yeah. and fun. I mean, you know, that yeah, it kind of can't get better than that. Um, I actually haven't seen uh, Last Rob for Chivalry, so I'm going to have to uh, check that out one of these days. I got to put that on the watch list. Yeah, I'm not like I said, I'm not sure if it's still on Criterion Channel. If it is, it's well worth checking out. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll go for my next piece. I'm going to move from uh, authentic uh, Asian cinema of Jackie Chan and John Woo to uh, about as far as you could get uh, and go with John Carpenter's Big Trouble Little China uh, from 1986. (laughs) Uh, Because, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's a totally different kind of movie, but I mean, the mixture of martial arts comedy fantasy mm-hmm. action uh you've got monsters you got creatures you've got ancient chinese culture you've got comic book campy stuff it's just everything just kind of heaped together and thrown into a yeah. big hodgepodge and it's uh it makes for a really cinematic movie and i mean that movie was not a success when it came out but it's become a you know a cult film over the years but uh, i i have a feeling shang chi is going to be a success right out the gate so it'll definitely be different in that department. But uh, as far as like the kind of over-the-top fun that could be had by both of these movies, I think they kind of go together pretty well. Yeah, this is another one like Star Wars where I can't believe I didn't think of it. But I right. literally just watched Big Trouble in Little China for the first time last month. So I can't oh, believe yeah? I didn't think of it while watching Shang-Chi because you're right. The, the combination of fantasy, martial arts, comedy and especially the comedy i think that the comedy in shang chi i think that's something that if you're just paying attention to the trailers people were concerned about especially when it came Mm. to aquafina's character but as you and there are times where it's like "Eh, i'm not quite sure how well it works in the context of the film but as the movie progresses that comedy becomes something that really helps to ground the movie and sure. I, I, it is absolutely right. And I, one of the things that I love about that, I mean, you know, you could almost make the argument that Aquafina has a similar role in this as Kim Cattrall does in Big Trouble in Little China. Now, Grand, I mean, I, I, it's obvious Kim Cattrall's character is supposed to be a little bit more of a romantic lead, and it's possible. But we've got Aquafina, and they're they're just best friends. And yeah, she's just buddies. she just happens to be thrust into this situation with Shang Chi, and it's just a really entertaining duo that they make. And it's it's really one of those things where it's like by the end you completely are on board with the fact that she's on board with this scenario, and that it earns that ending with those two characters. It's is really such a thing but yeah big trouble in little china is a uh is a wonderful comparison to this i think awesome awesome well uh what do you got uh, next so i think the last one that i can really think about is in this is this is another sort of action movie but in it it's really one specific movie but really in terms of action the one thing all of these movies sort of have the same type of thing, and that's the Daniel Craig Bond movies. And it's especially okay. that scene after the fight in the club where they're trying to get away, and you see him on the scaffolding. And that 
that set piece really remind me of some of the scenes we've seen in the Daniel Craig Bond movies over the past few mm-hmm. films, like Spectre and Casino Royale, especially Skyfall, and just the athleticism that goes into those, the different ways that the the rescues happen, the getting away versus staying and fighting. And again, it goes back to not just the uh, choreography by Brad Allen, but the cinematography by Bill Pope. There's some absolutely, especially with the neon in the background, it's such an easy, obvious thing to do in terms of the way of lighting that scene, but just works so beautifully because you're just watching the shadows work. And sure. it's it's one of those things that really, uh, I, I can help it, especially with that scene in particular, that's one that brought came came to mind yeah it it's funny uh you're bringing up recent bond movies uh because just recently the black widow movie we were talking about classic bond movies you know Mm -hmm. and some of the more like hokey elements of of the uh the classic bond movies so it's funny where some of the inspirations seem to come from for marvel movies lately it's it's pretty interesting so I will go for my last piece then. Uh, and I do have a few other movies that I that I had thought about including here, but I just thought it would be fun. Maybe I have video games on the mind from our recent Free Guy episode, uh, but I'm going to combine three video games for very specific comparisons as my, my final piece here. Uh, just three quick little things. I don't know if you're familiar how much of a gamer you are, but... Uh, you know, a pretty obvious uh, video game series, The Legend of Zelda, the mm. the whole Lost Forest thing with oh, the hidden yeah. pathway through the <laughs> forest way, uh, which I thought was like a fun little, uh, you know, a fun little thing yeah. that I haven't really seen in movies before. I mean, it's been mm-hmm. in other games, but certainly Legend of Zelda is known for it. Uh, also, the Panzer Dragoon series with people commandeering dragons to fly at each other. Uh, so I thought of that. And then last but not least, uh, the Dynasty Warrior series, specifically in the opening scenes with Wen Wu when he and his rings are just absolutely demolishing entire crowds mm-hmm. of people like it's nothing. Uh, it just totally reminded me of the way that the gameplay takes place in those games where y- your character just takes out just hundreds of people at a time. And so just a, a few little references, uh, just kind of throw it in a little change of pace there but i thought that'd okay. be a fun puzzle yeah i mean definitely i i'm not familiar with those other two but i mean i'm i'm a classic og legend of zelda player so yeah i mean i i can completely see where that comparison is and yeah the hidden fortress and the mystical characters and all of that stuff is is really a fun element of this that yeah. i i think to a certain extent you almost will I, I think to a certain extent, you won't even necessarily think about it showing up until it actually shows up. And, sure. but yeah, I, I let in, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's like, you know, that's kind of what legend of Zelda was inspired by too. I mean, they were inspired by quest movies where it's like, yeah, yeah grand. The quest was very familiar. Oh, you have to save the girl and stuff like that. In this case, it's not quite that simple, but at the same time, it's, it's based on the same basic idea of one single hero who's having to ultimately save the day. And yeah, yeah. I, as, as a really fun comparison. Awesome. Well, I will go ahead and do the finished puzzle and then we'll get into some closing thoughts here on Shang-Chi. Uh, we talked about how to train your dragon Two, the star Wars movies, crouching tiger, hidden dragon, black Panther speed, the Jackie Chan films, John Woo films, big trouble, little China, the recent Daniel Craig Bond movies, and then a few video games we squeeze in there, Dynasty Warriors, Legend of Zelda, and Panzer Dragoon. Are there any things that we didn't quite get to that you wanted to uh, mention here in the conversation? I do think one of the things that we really... It, it's going to be interesting to see the reaction. I agree with you on this movie. I, I, hope it's, I hope it's a positive reaction. I think it will be because of the fact that like Marvel really hasn't done a movie that's combined like action and comedy in quite this way. I mean, even the Guardians of the Galaxy movies don't really play with action comedy in the same way that we're working in here. This is more of a traditionally stripped down action comedy movie. And I think that's going to be one of the things that really connects people to it. And also it, essentially is 
it's all that all as part of what makes it as grounded as it is. I mean, even until until you get to the very end where it's basically CG characters against CG characters, it's very grounded in a reality. And I love the world building in this movie. And it's funny to think that this type of it's sort of like with when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, where it's like you have this whole part of the Marvel universe that you didn't even know existed. And it's like, we've seen a lot of different Mm. sections of this universe. And I love that one of the things we're seeing with this, with Loki and the Eternals in November, we're going to be seeing these different areas of the Marvel universe that we really have only scratched the surface on. And I think, I, I think that's one of the benefits of being done with the Infinity Saga because of the fact that it's like now we can sort of play with a little bit of improvisation in terms of what these stories are building towards. And that's that's very exciting. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I do think that that's like a kind of a weird takeaway that I'm not quite sure what to expect. I guess maybe after Eternals, we'll, we'll know a little bit better like where things go. But like, it's just so crazy how Marvel was able to do the whole 23 film Infinity Saga and where like it kept feeling like it was building towards something over and over again. And that's that's never happened before with anything really. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard to imagine it ever happening again, but it's also hard to imagine at least for me personally, uh, like where this is going as far as like, if they are going to try to do it again, or are we just going to get a bunch of random other stories that happen in this universe? It's, it's an interesting thing. And it's, it's kind of hard to tell from here. I mean, the one thing that we definitely know between Loki, between WandaVision, between what we're going to be getting in a few months with Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness is obviously they're saying up the multiverse. And yeah, I, I'm excited to see what that's going to do. I'm also curious to see if they're really going to be able to work towards something as clear eyed, straightforward as what they were able to build towards in the infinity saga. It's like, I'm I, right now, I don't necessarily see how that's going to happen, but at the same time, you know, anything is possible. It's like basically, you know, you, you look at what we've gotten so far this year in terms of Marvel. And it's really in, I mean, Black Widow's side, because I mean, that's more of a, uh, in a way that's sort of a film out of time with this, this uh, franchise now, but every, in a way, every other project that we've seen so far is building towards changing the universe fundamentally in a way that we didn't necessarily see coming. And I think that's, that's one of the more exciting things about it. Absolutely. Uh, only other thing I thought I'd mention real quick, just cause we didn't touch on him at all, but uh, Ben Kingsley back as the Mandarin, yes. uh, the fake Mandarin um, is so funny. He really He's so is. great in this. Uh, yeah. Talk about the comedy. Yeah. It, yeah. It was so funny <laughs> between him and Aquafina that, very funny movie. Yeah, it was it was it was funny because of the fact that I just saw somebody's tweet online. They were they were complaining about how one of the things they hate most about the MCU was the way the Mandarin was done in Iron Man 3. And yes, of course that comes up in <laughs> this movie. And but yeah, like you mentioned uh Trevor Ben Kingsley character does in fact come back. And uh you know, it's interesting. I wasn't quite sure how I would feel about that, but like you said, I mean, I think the comedy with the character really is successful. And, you know, he's just the same character that we saw by the end of Iron Man 3. And it's it's really it's, it's really a fun way of calling back to that controversy in a way that makes it even more silly, but also makes it make sense in the context of the uh, film. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. So much fun. Well, right on. I I think that about does it for Shang-Chi. Brian, is there another movie you watched recently that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? So I I will say, I mean, this is, this is as far removed from, you know, what we're talking about in terms of Shang-Chi, the Marvel universe and, 
stuff like that. But there's a uh, fascinating documentary that I saw recently that I reviewed on the site. It's called 499, and it's it's a film that sort of mixes. It's it's actually funny. It kind of mixes a uh, documentary form and ideas with fantasy in exploring the way that violence has been done over the years as a uh, conquistador from the Spanish conquest walks out of the ocean and he basically looks at the modern day Mexico. And it's, it's just a fascinating exploration of violence and the past and the present. You hear this conquistador's imagined thoughts of like how he sees what has happened to the world now. And it it's actually, I'm not going to say it's, it'd be a strict double feature choice. Um, I think it's in, it's available in theaters. I'm sure it'll be available on VOD if it's not already. Uh, it's, it's really a fascinating movie. And, uh, I, I would recommend if you're interested in that type of movie, sort of documentary with a little bit of fantasy, but also touching on some real ideas, I, I would recommend that one. Oh, it sounds really interesting. I hadn't heard of it, but uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to check that out. Sounds great. Uh, but awesome. Uh, Brian, why don't you tell people again where they can find you and your podcast? The website is www.sonic-cinema.com. That's basically where you'll find my movie reviews, my movie discussions. I sometimes go deeper into certain filmmakers. I just did one on Alex Perez, the director of The Crone Dark City, earlier this month and uh you can also find the song cinema podcast i just released an episode on three of alfred hitchcock's films i've got another one coming up on uh two of terrence malick's films and uh that's that's the main place you can find me as well as the song cinema podcast is also available on apple google and spotify and you can also find my music on places like cd baby and bandcamp Awesome. Well, that all sounds great. And Brian, uh, thanks again for joining me on this one. And maybe we'll be able to get you back again sometime. Thank you very much. And yeah, uh, I'd, I'd love to have you on the uh, Song Cinema podcast at some point. Definitely. Anytime. You just let me know. Tired of the same old sports podcast or two bros just bro out about football and hard seltzer? Yeah, me too. That's why I got my two bros together and started LA Confidential, where we talk about the Rams, Chargers, and at gunpoint, the Dallas Cowboys. But we don't bro out, and there's not a single can of hard seltzer in sight. Just three best friends having a nice casual conversation like you would over beer. Sure, we go into the NFL, but we also talk about memories we had with each other, embarrassing stories, family revelations, and whatnot. Okay, maybe you don't like football. We also talk about the Dodgers, Lakers, Clippers, Bruins, Trojans, and whatever LA sports news might be going on at the moment. Oh, you don't like sports? That's okay. We apply our same casual but analytical attitude towards Marvel, DC, movie trailers, movie casting, award season, and we even do top five rankings and recommend good stuff to watch every week. We're LA Confidential, the chillest podcast about LA sports, part of the LAFB Football Network. Listen now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's LA Podfidential, part of the LAFB Football Network. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Shang-Chi. Uh, thanks for bearing with us with the uh, little technical difficulties. We're podcasters. It happens sometimes, you know. We do this show for free. It's, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, thank you to Brian for joining me on that. Make sure to check out his podcast sonic cinema and uh yeah thank you so much for listening to the show everybody uh if you're not already make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts you can subscribe on apple podcasts on spotify on good pods on pocket casts on tune in radio stitcher do people still use stitcher if they do you could subscribe there also, rate and review us wherever it is you listen if they do the rate and review thing. And follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. We got lots of podcasts coming your way, so make sure you're subscribed. So that way you'll find out about the new episodes as soon as they come out. So, that does it for today's episode. It's always fun doing a uh, Marvel movie. They're, they're always fun. Uh, but let's finish this thing with a piece of music like I always do.
And this being a superhero movie, I'm going to go with a track called Hero. It's from my album, A Different Kind of Dream. I hope you enjoy the track. The album is, of course, available on Spotify, on Apple Music, all those places. Or you could buy the album on Bandcamp, on CD Baby, all those different places. Uh, But yeah, the album's called A Different Kind of Dream. The song is Hero. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming out real soon. West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.